Tend your neighbor and tell them how awesome your neighbor is. Your neighbor, you're the best neighbor ever. I'm so glad that you're my neighbor this morning. So this morning, my title is called Danger Zone. Turn to your neighbor and say, Danger Zone. Danger Zone. And if you were to look up Danger Zone in the dictionary, it means an area in which there is a high risk of harm, especially where the risk has been officially identified. An area in which there is high risk of harm, especially where there is a risk that has been officially ident identified. You know, when you're driving cars and buses, obviously we know that there are danger zones when we drive because there's just areas when you're in a car and in a bus that you just can't see every single area, right? Every single angle. That's a danger zone. If you know anything about food, there is a danger zone to food. The uh, 40 degrees to 140 degrees is considered a danger zone with food. Cold food needs to be kept at 40 or below. Hot food needs to be at 140 or above. Danger zone. So for some of us this morning, that's what danger zone is, right? How many of us remember that song, love that song? So I want you just to take that thought, danger zone, for a second. Not the song, just the words. Tuck it in the back of your brain. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21 this morning. Danger zone, highway to danger zone. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord... How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Verse 24. In the process of one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions, millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, what, his kids, everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went out and he saw a fellow servant who owed him thousands of dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, begged, please, a little more time, be patient with me, I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor, he wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, the last verse. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. Teachers in this day, they had a saying, three strikes and you're out. Teachers, religious leaders, if you sin three times, they cut you out of your life. There you're out. One, two, three, and you're done. I don't know if you ever heard this saying before. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, and they'll never find your dead body. <laughs> this is the same saying that the religious leaders and the teachers had at the time. 
three times, three strikes, and you're out. Another guy said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on both of us. Why did Peter bring up forgiveness in this story? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, right before this text that we started with, Matthew 18, verse 15 says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then he or she won't accept the church's decision. Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth, it will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where there are two or three gathered together as followers, I am there among them. And so interestingly enough, Jesus agreed with what he just shared with the religious leaders and the teachers of the, of the day. He agreed that if a person sins, you should go point it out privately. Now, when he was saying that you should go point it out privately, it was so that people, it was to not shame the person who was in sin. It was not to shame the person or to gossip. How many of us have ever shamed someone accidentally? Now, some of us do it purposely because it's a little fun, right? But there are people sometimes who accidentally shame other people, brothers and sisters, without realizing it. Jesus said, go to someone privately who's having a hard time so that you don't gossip and so that you don't shame that person and try to help them. And he said, secondly, if your brother or sister doesn't listen, then you need to grab two or three people and you need to come there and you need to help them. And if, if two or three people can't get it done, then you bring the mob, right? No, he said, then you bring him to the church. Interestingly enough, that's the first time, you know, we hear Jesus mention the word church. And the word that he used in the, in the Greek was the same word as synagogue. So the synagogue and the church in the Greek, Jesus, the word that he used here, identical, synagogue and church. And he said that the church would be used even to discipline people. Now, as parents, mo most of us know that disciplining our, our um kids, our sons and our daughters. It's not always the easiest or funnest thing to do, but it's something that must be done. Oh, look at that. Thanks, babe. It's a little hard to read. I was just seeing if you guys had your, your glasses on because see if you could read through all that, that fuzziness. Thanks, sugar lips. And so Jesus points out that even the church should be used to discipline believers who are having a hard time. And he goes on to say, those who use this authority. He says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on the earth, right, will be loose in heaven. He said, where two or three gather in my name. How many of us have heard this verse over and over and over again? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them, right? I'm gonna answer them. And so how many of us have used this verse over and over and over again for prayer? Jesus actually, it's kind of twofold because he did state it in, this, in the text of of prayer that yes, when we come together, two or three, we should agree and we should pray and believe that God is there and he's gonna answer our prayers. But he also was referring to the two or three witnesses that he shared about. When you're going to confront somebody, these two or three people should come together as witnesses, as people who are coming together. And so when he referred that two or three coming together in his name, he's also not only for prayer, but he's also referring that two or three people, we should as brothers and sisters, and it's, 
how many of us, you know, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but I'm a Star Wars fan, grew up in Star Wars. And if you follow the Star Wars movies, the Jedis were the protectors, right, of the, the free and the Republic, right? The Jedi Knights were these guys, and they probably had some girls too, but, you know, the older versions are the guys. But anyway, not to get too whatever. The Jedi were people who were, were protectors, right, of, of the Republic. You know, as Christians, we're, we're protectors of God's word. This book is the most amazing book. It is the Holy Bible. It is alive, it is breathing, it is living, and it, as for us, should protect the words, the words that are in here. They bring life. The words in here bring peace. The words in here bring hope. The words in here bring freedom. And so we have a special calling, like the two or three witnesses that Jesus referred to in the scripture, we have this special gift to be the two or three witnesses that stand up and protect and stand on the word of God. And so as Jesus shared this with the disciples, Peter, how many of us know Peter is such a funny guy? Jesus was agreeing with the Pharisees and the teachers. If a brother sins, you go to him privately. If a brother sins and he doesn't listen, bring your friends. And then if he continues to sin, then you bring the mob, the church. After that, he said, if a brother doesn't repent, he says, you kick him out. That's one, two, three, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, and they're not gonna find your body, right? So Peter, he hears what Jesus says. And so how does Peter respond to Jesus? And I love this, because remember, Jesus just said one, two, three. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brothers? Seven times? Wait a second. Didn't Jesus just say like two minutes ago, one, two, three, strikes you're out, just like the religious leaders, just like the, and how did Peter come up with this? Peter, because he's just such an amazing guy, right? He wanted to be a little daring. He wanted to take it to the next level. Not three, Jesus. Maybe we should be nice today and let's forgive people seven times if they do something wrong. Let's forgive people seven times. And Jesus responds to Peter because Peter was trying to take something to the next level. And then Jesus does what Jesus always does is that Jesus just blew his mind. And he said, no, 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 you don't forgive three times. You don't forgive seven times. You forgive 70 times seven. In the language that he used there, 70 times seven means absolutely unlimited forgiving every single day, every single person who forgives you, every single person who wrongs you, every single person who stabs you in the back, every single person who talks bad about you, every single person who's done harmful things to you. Jesus said, you must forgive them unlimited. And the word he used there means grace limited to the max. And I'm sure every one of us in this room, that's how we treat people every single day. So then he goes on to paint the picture. And he paints this picture and he says, there's a king who decided it was time to collect some money. Turn to your neighbor and says, it's time to collect some my money. Time to collect my money. You got my money. So the king did what most of us would do. If we need to collect some money, let's go find out the person who owes us the most, right? He goes and he finds a man who owes millions of dollars. And he goes to this guy who owes millions of dollars. And he says, you need to pay me my money. I'm setting my, all my debts. You're the first person. You got the most. So you get your butt in here. I want my money now. 
This man didn't have the millions of dollars. He spent it. He bought the jet. He's got the house with the pool. He's got the big land. He's got a ranch. He's got a Humvee. He's got a Beamer. He's got all the nice cars, the Rolls Royce. Right? He's got everything because he spent all his money that he had. So he says to the king, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And the king says, okay, I'm going to throw you in jail. And I'm going to torture you. I'm going to torture your wife. And I'm going to torture your kids. You know, one thing we don't realize, every decision we make, that not only affects us, but affects everybody in our lives. Every single decision that a man makes does not affect only himself, but if he's married, it affects his wife and his kids. Single people the same. No matter who is in your life, every bad decision, it affects everybody. And so the king says, not only am I going to torture you, I'm going to torture your wife, and I'm going to torture your kids. So he did what, you know, most of us would do. He gets on the ground and he's begging for mercy. Please. Don't. Please. I'm sorry. Give me a little more time. I know it's millions of dollars, but I'll find a way. I'm going to invest in Bitcoin. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in that. And I'm going to get your money back for you. I'm going to do. And he's crying and he's begging and he's pleading and he's doing everything right. And we know that he's doing everything right because it says in the story that the king sees this man. And what does he do? He had pity. And instantly, the, the king released him millions, millions in dollars of debt. It's funny today, you know, the Bible talks about not suing one another, but yet how many Christians today still sue other people out there? The king in this story, who's God, brings in someone who owed a lot, representing a person who has a lot of sin, a lot of faults. This person begged and pleaded for help, and of course, God had mercy just like on every single one of us, when you were sinner, when you were broken, when you did bad things, when you said bad things, when you made so many mistakes, and when you came to God and said, God, forgive me, what did he do? He had pity on you. And then the story takes kind of an interesting twist because as soon as this man was forgiven, now I don't know about you, if I had millions of dollars in debt and it was forgiven and it was washed away, I'd feel pretty good. How about you? Wouldn't you feel pretty darn good? I mean, if you think about it. Now, most of us in here, I don't think we have millions, but maybe some of us do. And if so, let me know who you are so we can become better friends. <laughs> Just kidding. Millions. And it's washed away. Washed. And the second that all the millions are washed away, he walks out and he finds a man who owns him a few thousand dollars. Pen, right? Pennies. Thousands. From millions to thousands. Now, most of us, we're closer in that range than we are the other one, right? I want my money. I'm sorry, I don't have it. The guy grabs him by the throat. I'll never forget, I had this customer one time who owned a market, and he comes old, old school guy. Like, well, we're talking, he's, no offense, but a little older than Joel, right? But he, he owned a market, 
And he had, at multiple times, taken his employees and grabbed them by the throat and put them up to the wall. So you didn't, if you do that today, you're gonna get so sued, it's not even funny, right? But we're talking, this was like 15 years ago, and uh, he wasn't so nice. So when, the, when I read this, this, this picture comes to my mind, and he was bald, and he was a buff white guy, and uh, he definitely was strong. But anyway, this guy just was forgiven millions of dollars of debt, and he turns to his servant, who owed him a few thousand, I want my money, sorry, grabs him by the throat. The throat, this symbol of, of oxygen, of us breathing, right? This system of stuff going in and out. What did he do? He went right for a life source from this man. Horrible. This guy, the servant fell down and he begged him, please, just like this man had done a few minutes before. And he said, please be patient with me. But no matter how nice the king was to him, he took that servant and he threw him in jail. You know, lucky for that servant, the walls have eyes because there was people who were standing around watching. And of course, they saw what this man did and they, they heard what had happened. And so they run and tell the king and they say, King, there is something horrible that's been done. And so the king hears about it and he goes to the servant and he has him come back in and he says, you know, I had mercy on you. How come you didn't have mercy on this servant? And he said, take this man and put him in jail and torture him until every penny has been paid. You know, it's crazy. Jesus and the words and the verbiage that he used in this story, which the very last line, which is so crazy, it says, this is what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to give your brothers and sisters from your heart. I think every one of us at times has held a grudge against one person at least. For all 35 years this morning and alive, I'm sure that most of us, every one of us have been offended and have had unforgiveness in our hearts to at least one person. Jesus pointing out this, stitcher, this picture, this, this, this picture that was supposed to be so like, wow, and in your face. If you don't forgive, like I have forgiven you, this is what will happen. Forgiveness, one of the most powerful, powerful things in the entire world. And we know that this story here, this is the story of God. You see, in the beginning, God gave us the world, but we weren't happy with what he gave us. We weren't happy with it. We weren't happy with the perfect peace we weren't happy with the, the rainbows. We weren't happy with the perfect climate that was set at 80 degrees. It was tropical paradise where Adam and Eve were. We weren't happy with the perfection of what God had given to us. And so we decided to sin as people, just like many of us today. No matter how good God is to us, so many times we choose to sin. We choose to be negative. We choose to make mistakes. And then we make excuses. I'm just human. I'm just this. I'm just this. If you don't, I heard this this week, it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. If you don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass you. And if you're not careful, we allow little windows of opportunity for sin to come into our life. And ah, just a little here, uh, and just a little bit over here. Uh, nobody's watching, so I gotta get a little bit over here. The more you allow into your life, you may not feel that it's doing anything. 
You may not feel a little sin here, a little sin there, and I can make excuses. God's graceful, right? Oh, God forgives million dollars of debt. He can forgive my three, four sins that I want to do here, there, and there. If that's the mindset you have, if you allow it one day, it will embarrass the hell out of you. If you allow sin, if you want to make excuses for it, one day it will embarrass the hell out of you. Embarrass sin, shun, shun it and get away from it, or it will absolutely, it will absolutely embarrass you one day. God is a just God. We know that he's a just, just God. He offers the plan of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, if you believe in my son, Jesus, if you believe and you confess, like Paul says in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. But the believing and the confessing that he's talking about, it's 100% complete, 110% complete surrender to the plan. Just like when Jesus was here and he said to his disciples, he said, come follow me. When he was talking to the disciples, it was saying, come follow after my pattern of teaching. Come follow after the teaching that I have for you. Come follow and listen to me. And so when we ask Jesus into our heart, we're saying, I now completely devote my life to following after this. When I ask you into my life, now I have completely, completely devoted myself to your word. The danger zone this morning was my title, is when we want to live in a place of unforgiveness. Because no matter how good we think we are, if we are not forgiving, then God's not forgiving to us as well, right? Mark 11 says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against. What? What does praying and forgiveness have to do with anything? Jesus is talking about moving mountains and mountains into the sea and this and that, great things. And if you pray and ask for anything, it will happen. But there's one little thing, one little nugget at the very end. If your prayers aren't being answered, maybe it's because you're holding a grudge. What? God doesn't want to answer my prayers because I'm holding a grudge? Oh, what? But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Has anybody ever wronged you? Has anybody ever made you mad? Living in a place of unforgiveness is the, one of the most dangerous places for any one of us in this room, any one of us listening. But where does forgiveness begin? You know, as Joel mentioned this morning, um, <clears throat> this week, our uh, puppy died. You know, as a kid, I had, uh, I don't know how many dogs we had, probably four or five, six. <coughs> and um, for whatever reason, this guy was the uh, best dog that I ever had. And you know what's sad for a dog? A week ago, our dog got sick. And um, a dog can't speak and tell you what's going on, right? You don't know. You don't know that your little guy's dying. 
we didn't know that our, our baby boy that we had for two and a half years, we had no idea that he was, he was dying. You know, we took him to a vet and um, they charged us a thousand bucks to do blood work and x-rays. But as you see a vet, you know what they do? They ask you questions. What are your symptoms? What's going on? But again, can a dog talk? Not really. Can a dog verbalize everything that's going on inside of them? No. And so unfortunately, how many dogs die? Because they can't speak or share the things that are wrong in their life. And so as I'm praying about this week and praying about what God wanted me to share, he said, just as your dog died because he couldn't speak, many people, their relationships die because they don't know how to share what's going on inside of them. Many marriages die because they don't know how to share what's going on inside of them. Many parents and father and son and mother and daughter relationships die because parents don't know how to truly listen to their kids. Their symptoms for my dog, my handsome fluffy. One of my daughters gave him the title, he's the fluffiest guy in the house and he was. He's our little angel. <clears throat> and there were symptoms of death and dying. You know, and as a parent, you know, one of the things that we should do is look for the symptoms in our kids. When there's something going on, they're trying to speak and they're trying to say something is not right. But how many of us as parents, if we were honest, we miss the symptoms and signs that are going on. We miss things that they're saying. And because we don't, fully listen our kids sometimes our relationships our marriages families our friends because we don't really know how to listen sometimes we put ourselves in the most dangerous spot ever most of us are born as selfish listeners believe it or not and as we listen to one another how many of us, for honest, as we listen and have a conversation, we still have our mind running on, on how many other things? And if we were a vet, and this is no knock on vets, docs, teachers, and, and husbands and wives and spouses, and, and on and on and on it goes. But they, we listen for key words when we're listening. And those key words are the only things that we hear. And you'd, so you know what vets do? You know what docs do? You know what teachers do? You know what moms, dads do? Husbands, wives, parents, you know what they do? As Soon as they hear the key word, soon as they're, they're just listening for what they wanna hear, and soon as they hear it, you know what they do? They give that prescribed, they give that prescription based on what they think they hear, but they missed it all along. But they missed it all along. And some of us this morning, there is relationships that we have that are right here in front of us. And there's relationships that are, aren't here and they're all over the place. That honestly, we have let those relationships get to a dangerous place because we didn't fully listen. You think about suicide and I'll never forget, I think one of the first funerals that I did, but there was a young kid who got ran over here in Hemet and he called a few of his cousins before he died and he was saying, I don't wanna live anymore. I don't wanna live. And so we don't know if the kid actually jumped in front of the car because he wanted to die 
or if he was, you know, just skateboarding and not paying attention and a car hit him and, and killed him and drug him. But right before he died, he called his cousins to say, I don't want to live. There are people in your life today who are saying the exact same thing, not in English. If that's what you speak, maybe it's in Spanish. And maybe Spanish, if you speak Spanish, then they're trying German. But I guarantee there's people that you have in your life today who are speaking a foreign language to you. And you, me, we, are we listening? Are we fully listening to people? Life this morning is not about just us and where I'm going. Life this morning is not just about me and what I want. It's not about you and what you want. Life is about the people that we get to share life with. And not only for our spouses, for our wives, for, for husbands, for our kids, for our friends, but our communities. God has you here this morning for a very specific reason and purpose. You are alive today in 2022. We survived, you survived COVID. If you had it, it didn't kill you. You are alive for a reason this morning. You are alive for a purpose. Some of us fighting for our lives. You have a reason to be here. And one of the greatest things that he wants you to know, it starts with just listening. You know, as Christians, sometimes when someone tells us what's going on in their life, we have the Bible verses ready. As soon as we know it's this fear, we quote these verses. When it's, you know, sex outside of marriage, it's these verses. When it's this, we use these verses. You know, how many of us, when we know what, what people are doing as a Christian, we will quote Bible verses to say, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you're this, you're that, you're this. Just as vets do just as doctors do, just as teachers do. But I can tell you this, for our family who lost that guy, it hurts. And, um, you know, for us, Jax was more than a dog. He was an awesome, fluffy guy. He was. But you know what hurts even more? Just as my dog died, some of us, we've allowed relationships to die because we're selfish. People are crying out today. Rocks are crying out today. God put people in your life for a reason. Are you listening? Because I can tell you more than anything, I wish that my dog was still here. You know, you get into a routine every morning, five o'clock. If I wasn't up, he'd be scratching at my door. It was time to make coffee. And for years and for a while, you know, I dreaded getting out of bed. But at some point, it's like, this little fluffy guy is waiting for me. I got to get up. Every morning, he waited for his walk. After doing all my chores, all the stuff I had to do in the morning, you know, he would wait patiently to a point. And then after being patient for so long, then he'd start getting antsy. And if I wasn't listening to him and he was ready for a walk, he'd go bother my wife. And he would bite, he would lick, and he would do everything he can to tell my wife, it's time for dad to take me for a walk. You know, something through our daily routines, 
people are dropping through the cracks of our life. Going to work, going to school, whatever it may be, but I promise you this, I can guarantee just as for me, just for you, there's somebody in your life that's dropping in the cracks. This morning as I wrap up, a couple things just to remember. We talked about unforgiveness and unforgiveness is something that we probably have had in our, our life at some point. Somebody burned us, somebody did something to us. And so this is one of the most dangerous places that any one of us can live. If there's someone that we hate, someone that bothers us, that we will not forgive them. Jesus said, you must forgive. I won't hear or listen to your prayers if you don't forgive. But how do we learn to forgive if we don't even know how to listen? Listening. You see, every one of us has a story. And that's the special thing about church because how many people, you know, walk into church on a Sunday morning and sometimes when we ain't feeling it and sometimes when we don't get what we want, you know what we do? We complain and judge other people. But we don't know what other people have gone through the week, how kind of rough and, and horrible thing that people have survived the week, right? When we get here on Sunday morning, we should be clapping and cheering for one another. We made it through another week. We survived another week because we have no idea what one person went through just to get here on Sunday morning. We have no idea what kind of sickness. We have no idea what kind of financial mess. We have no idea what kind of relationship messes people go through on a weekly basis to come and just make it to church and try and survive to make it to Sunday morning. And so instead of prejudging people and saying, they're not giving me what I want. God's saying, it's not about you. In relationships, it's always about the other person. It's always about the other person. He's not going to hold you responsible what other people say and do, but he will hold you responsible for how you treat them. Jesus, in, in one of my first texts, he said, you go to a brother privately. But yet how many of us openly shame and gossip about other people? Unforgiveness starts with listening. Number one, it starts with listening to the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. You have to listen to the word. And honestly, the truth of the matter is, and I, I think all of you, and I've told you, you're the MVPs of Hemet in my mind and heart, right? You guys are awesome. You're amazing. The best of Hemet is here in this room this morning. You are. But we can't truly help one another if we don't fully know what God's word says. It's his word that brings life. John 1, 4, it's the word that gives life. If we don't know what the word says then how do we truly help people? We know what, you know, songs are being played. We know songs from the 80s, 90s. We can tell you decades of musicians from this era, this era, this era. We can tell you about rock and roll and country and rap and hip hop. We can tell you about cars. We can tell you about sports. We can tell you about all these things. And those are all important. But how many of us have fully dived into the word of God? Because it's this word it's these words that will truly help every single person in your life. And so this morning, again, 
Start today by listening. Listen to the Word of God. But as you listen to the Word of God, you must soak it in. Because we're born as selfish listeners. And what does that mean? We listen for what we want to hear, not for what somebody else wants to say. We listen to one another for what we want to hear, not for what someone really needs to say. But the more we read the Word of God, the more that it transforms us, you know what happens? We start thinking about other people and start putting other people above ourselves. And then we can fully help other people. Listen to God. Listen to His Word. Listen to the sacrifice in the life of Jesus Christ. And don't let anyone in your life fall through the cracks. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. God, we thank you for life. <clears throat> God, we thank you for the life that you have given to us. God, thank you that you have created us. God, that you've given such a purpose to us. God, that you have molded and shaped us up to this point. God, we thank you that we're here this morning. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy, which does cover us every single day. And I pray this morning, God, that you would help every single one of us if we're living in the danger zone, if there's unforgiveness in our heart, or if there are family, if there are friends, if there's our neighbors who are falling through the cracks because we just don't wanna listen, God, help us to stop today. God, help us to stop. Help not one of our relatives, not one of our, our marriages, God. Help not one of our kids to fall by the wayside. Help not one of the people in our community to fall by the wayside because we don't want to stop and fully listen. God, help us this morning for everyone here, everyone listening, to be good listeners, to be able to read, to be able to hear, to be able to see, to be able to listen, to understand, God, what your word says so that we know accurately how to help people with the word of God. The best medicine that there is, the absolute best prescription that there is, is the word of God. Help us, God, to read it, to know it, to study it this morning, and so that we may be people who love and care, forgive, and just follow your word this morning. God, I pray this morning, if there's any of us who are holding grudges, if there's any of us who are bitter this morning, any of us who have unforgiveness in our hearts because somebody just did us wrong, God, I pray you'd help us to let it go. God, I pray that you'd help us to see the danger in holding on to something that it's not meant to hold on to. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to release people in our life, release people, release things in our life. God, that we're just holding grudges. God, I pray for this morning that every single one of us, God, that we would, you would move us to a place, <clears throat> God, where our prayers, God, would be answered, that we see faith that moves mountains, that we see you moving in a mighty way. Lord, we love you. We thank you again for this love, this forgiveness. <clears throat> God, for your word. God, we thank you for the angels and the special dogs that you put into our lives and people and our wives and our kids and our friends and our family and our people in our community. God, we thank you for every single thing that you've given to us that's right in front of us. Help us to cherish every life today. In Jesus' name.